Sports Beat Extra. Beat 102-103. A packed show on this week's Sports Beat Extra leaves little time for introduction. Later on, we'll have Tremor Racecourse manager Owen Byrne on what he calls an unsustainable model for horse racing TV rights. While former Wexford Jutes player Clara Reardon discusses her time in Germany with Will Downing. But first, we have rally superstar Craig Green waiting by the phone. This is Sports Beat Extra. So we're delighted uh, to have Craig Breen on the show. Uh, Craig, look, you don't need any introduction. I think anybody who's down this part of the world uh, knows well, or any indeed most parts around the world knows well who who you are. Um, I suppose we haven't seen your name, nor have we seen the name of, of any um, race driver, any rally driver over the past few months. Um, first of all, how are you and, and what's going on in the world of Craig Breen at the moment? Yeah, no, all, all is good, thanks. Uh, yeah, very strange. It's probably the longest that I've been uh, I've been away from, from the competition side of it, probably since I was you know seven or eight years of age. So very, very strange. I have to say, weird, uh, weird times. Uh, I've uh, definitely been missing it. But look, at slowly but surely things are starting to get back to a little bit of normality. Uh, I've, I've had a bit of testing the last couple of weeks. Spend most of the lockdown and back uh, back at Ireland again uh, with, with the parents. So that was nice to spend a bit of time there. But yeah, nice to nice to get back to reality there with the same. Yeah, because I mean we're so proud of you down here in the southeast. But obviously with the rally season and with yourself living abroad, um, it's kind of it's not very usual for you to come back. So so kind of was there what was the strangest thing about coming back, or what was the nicest thing about coming back and spending so much time back at home? That was just. Uh, it's just nice to spend to catch up with everyone. You know, the, the, usually when I get to see my parents is is uh, is on the on the events. You know, to be fair, they they normally travel to uh, I suppose ninety five percent of the rallies that I do, and um, you know that it's it's a difficult environment at the rallies. You know, I only get to see them maybe for you know fifteen twenty minutes in the in the afternoons or the evening times, and, and then you're back to work again. So at least this was uh, you know it was just time to kind of catch up with everything, and it was just by pure chance I was back. Uh, I was supposed to do to do the West Cork Rally um, in the, the beginning of March, uh, so I'd flown back for that, and and then I pretty much got stuck. Um, I couldn't get back to Andorra. Andorra pretty much closed its its, its borders, and um, look at you know it wasn't the, it wasn't the worst place to spend uh, to spend a few months. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even even if you were stuck down in West Cork, not being smart, it's a nice place to be as well. Um, I suppose it was really lucky. I know, in a way, I know it was very unlucky that that everything that happened. But you must have considered yourself very lucky to be in the country and kind of be in a country where you could go back to home and 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 spend time with with your parents and and have somewhere to stay. You're not looking at kind of trying to figure out accommodation or wondering where you're going to go or trying to figure out flights uh, well before before Andorra reopened its borders. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was lucky. I was lucky in that in that respect, and uh, I was able to set up to set up a temporary uh, base for myself there. And you know, I was able to continue my training. Uh, luckily, then when the restrictions started to be lift, lifted slowly but surely, I was able to get out and I uh, was able to uh, do a bit more training outside. And uh, you know, it, it definitely was it was good in that in that respect as well that I was able to really you know get on top of my fitness, which is difficult when you're doing so much traveling and you're you're doing so many events. So. Uh, there definitely was, you know, pros uh, to, to the whole thing, and you know, mammy's cooking is always good as well. It was nice to, <laughs> it was nice to take that in as well. Yeah, no need for a nutritionist, definitely. When uh, when mammy's at home, and the, the other, I suppose the other thing is, is Craig, did you get a chance to get back into any of the old cars? Like, uh, did you get a chance to kind of rev up the engine and a few of your old favourites or, or anything like that while you were at home? Because obviously, when you're rallying around the world, um, you know, when you're home, you kind of want to spend that time mostly with family. But when you're kind of stuck there for a while, did, was there a temptation to? Kind of take out a few old, few old beauties. 
No, I, I have nothing, to be honest with you. Uh, would you credit that I lasted up until the right full age of 30 years of age before, before I had to buy myself a car. I bought, only bought my first ever car last year. And, so, and that's, that's in Andorra. So I, uh, I've been lucky enough to have company cars and, and, and stuff pretty much when I started my, my professional career. So uh, I've got nothing to garage. I've got nothing to rest on. I've just got one, like I said, over, over in Andorra. So I couldn't, make, I couldn't even make use of that. So <laughs> it was, uh, no, I was, uh, I was on, on feed power. I'd done most, most of, uh, most of my time was running. And I didn't even have a bike with me back at home, so it was, uh, yeah, very conventional methods of getting around. From the conventional methods of getting around to the most unconventional methods of getting around. Now, normally you're pounding a, a, a Citroen or a, or a Hyundai or whatever it is down a backcountry road at, at, you know, frankly, crazy speeds. Um, you had a much different pace of life uh, on your way down to your test in the Hyundai i20. Uh, tell us a little bit about the journey. You hooked up with, with Paddy Croak, who's an old friend of your Croak International, and it just so happened his timing and your timing and your schedules just matched up perfectly. Yeah, look at uh, obviously yeah, Patrick is a great, uh, great friend of mine, and uh, as is Pat, his, his father and the whole family, and, and uh, yeah, they they run a haulage for him. Then they, they happen to go down to Italy uh, very regularly, regularly. I think more than once a week at this stage. And, um, I hadn't really given it much thought, but obviously the test was given, was coming closer and closer, and I was trying to get flights, but. Uh, flights were very difficult to get anywhere uh, at that time anywhere out of Dublin it was, uh, it was proven very difficult and, and expensive and, and sort of you know not really uh, convenient in the, in the direction I'd have to go I'd have to stop off several times I was really at, at a bit of a loss and then it dawned on me one day I said Geez, it might just be the path that's going on the truck so I gave him a shout and lo and behold it just happened to fit in perfectly he was leaving uh, on a Monday and I was I was testing on a Thursday so uh, left uh, left Waterford on, on the Monday and landed in uh, or landed arrived in uh, in uh, uh, close to uh, yeah close to Geneva San Remo area on the on the Wednesday afternoon ready for my test so it was absolutely perfect and that was nice to see a bit of see a bit of the world uh, you know take take it all in on the way down I'd, I'd never I'd obviously never gone to Italy that way before I've been over there many many times but never. Never trekked across it, so uh, no, it was nice. Definitely, definitely enjoyed it. Um, I suppose. How do you kind of, you know, that's a that's a that's a fairly major journey. And as an athlete, for you to be starting testing, getting off a truck after, I mean, whatever three days, I presume it would have taken two or three days to get down there. Um, getting out then and trying to get yourself back into that kind of mode of of getting back into rally car, especially having been so long since you you driven one, it must have been a kind of a very strange opening test day for you. Yeah, it was very weird. I have to say, the first uh, first couple of runs I did, I did on the first day of the test were, were yeah, very peculiar. Uh, obviously, I done I done a lot of sim stuff uh, back back at home in the house in the in the downtime. I had been very kindly uh, given a sim from from Digital Motorsports in in uh, in Mandelo in in in, uh, in Ace, and and I've been yeah, doing a lot a lot of work on that because I was frankly yeah, there was not much else to do. I, I, that was the only way I could get some sort of field in the car. You know, then suddenly to be to be having all those sort of sensations of driving the car like on the simulator, but having also the the, the physical feeling of the G and, and the lateral movement, the longitudinal movement of, of a of a real car, it was uh, it was very very bizarre. I have to say, but um, nice, really nice, and you know, it definitely. Uh, 
it makes me realize it's, uh, it's just the best sport in the world, really. I, I, I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah, I mean, getting back now, um, as we time record next week, uh, rather than the Roma, so back down in Italy again, um, as part of the ERC, you're driving that Hyundai i20. I suppose it's at least it's a car you're kind of reasonably familiar with, and you're one of a very few drivers who've actually driven in the ERC in 2020. So do you think that'll give you a bit of an advantage, or um, how are you feeling going into the event? Yeah, look, it's going to be something different. Uh, it's it's with a new uh, it's with a new tire manufacturer from uh, from from India, uh, mm. MRF tires, and we're basically developing a completely new tire from from scratch uh, just for this ERC program. And yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a step to the side. Obviously, we've been doing bits and pieces in the World Championship. Um, you know, continuing to do to do bits and pieces in the World Championship with Hyundai and. You know, hopefully uh, we can uh, we can expand on that, and it's looking it's looking likely. But uh, yeah, this this, uh, this ERC program is just something a bit different. And, yeah, a lot of, lot of hard work going on in the background to develop the tire. Uh, you know, it's not easy to make a tire completely from scratch. But um, you know, it's going in a good direction, and this will be the first time that we really get. Uh, to get uh, results just to see how, how that uh, how that work is is, uh, is going so I'm looking forward to it Yeah you got a trip to Latvia then and I suppose if you ask most people would they rather be in the Azores or would they rather be in Estonia um, I think most people would probably answer the former but for yourself uh, come the start of September um, the, the WRC starts back up in Estonia and as you say you're saying yourself it seems like things are kind of going well in terms of Hyundai you might, you might end up getting into a seat for that rally yeah, who knows? Uh, obviously, you know, I I was uh, I was supposed to be in the car for Finland. It was cancelled. Mm. Estonia and Finland are are not too dissimilar to the, the, the profile of the events. Uh, generally speaking, uh, Hyundai uh, use my services for for the more faster, um, yeah, more fast uh, flowing rallies and Nordic rallies. So, uh, like in Sweden, Finland, etc. So, uh, I would be uh, I would I'd be disappointed. I uh, put it that way if we didn't get the nod myself and Paul for. Uh, for for Estonia and uh, we just have to wait and see but um, any, any opportunity to drive the world car is you know absolutely taken with both arms and uh, you know it's an incredible incredible chance when you get to be at the absolute top of uh, the top of your sport um, and uh, you know to be to be taking part at world championship level it's it's really amazing so yeah more and more of them is is uh, definitely what we're looking for. Now, correct me if this might seem like a stupid question. It, 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 is it a bit of a strange situation because you say that you're kind of obviously you're kind of a Nordic specialist, those they kind of those those flash flowing stages that we do see in Finland with the jumps and, and Estonia Asutia. So if, oh, you don't really want to be kind of shoehorned into that or pigeonholed into that kind of saying he's fast at these tracks but not so much in other places. But you're also trying to be fast to try and earn your spot for potentially upcoming rallies. Yeah, look, I think the team understand that you know we could potentially perform very well on lots of other rallies, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a strange place. The World Championship at the minute it's quite overcrowded. Uh, you know, not enough, not enough spaces for for the amount of people that are that are actually out there. So, but look, uh, you know, I just we'll have to go to go to uh, whatever rally we'll give it next, give it absolutely everything. And, I think the opportunities will will get that a bit more frequent, especially you know into next year. I think the cars will be reshuffled a little bit again, and you know I think I think we're in we're in a in, in a very good position to to get more rallies, and you know that's that's all I'm focused on now is just trying to be in the best shape I can, finish off this year, and and then see what uh, see what we can get. Five counties, one big sports show, Sports Beat Extra. Racing returns to Tremor this week. I caught up with manager Owen Byrne on their return and the future of their August festival. First, Owen spoke about what he learned during lockdown. Back before I was in place, I, I ran the race meeting in Wexford there to give him a hand. 
uh, on St. Patrick's Day it evolves enormously since then. I've been to uh, Navin and I've been to Limerick uh, just to see how everything has worked there. Um, so, you know, we're, we're very well set up uh, for it uh, with our exit buildings for um, that set up as a um, health screening area. Um, so there's a three-point process to come racing. Everybody has to adhere to it. Um, and it's extremely strict, as has been in the news there with some trainers and things like that having a few issues, uh, albeit um, mistakenly so, I think, in a lot of cases, to be fair. But... Um, there's really no complacency in it and everybody understands how important it is from the industry's point of view that everybody uh, and everybody without fail adheres to everything that's meant to be in place. Yeah, I suppose speaking there, uh, Aidan and Donica O'Brien, uh, local trainers here to the southeast, um, fined two and a half thousand euro and uh, prohibited for attending for two weeks. Um, was that did you, is that a bit of a blow for Tremor, the fact that they they won't be able to attend? Well, look, listen, they're, they're going to stall with the industry. Um, you know, what I would say is that um, while I think they're like fully accepted and, and, and everything has to be adhered to, um, what I would say in that, in, 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 not in defence, but um, if they're racing every single day of the week and racing is literally every single day of the week, you have to complete a health screening every single day, 24 hours beforehand, which they did do and comply with. Um, and our understanding is, you know, really... Um, uh, they came in the gate in, in the car, which they always come in, and um, it just probably just went out of the head. I'm sure it was just a slip of mind. I can't imagine it was anything else. Um, to be fair to them, they're professionals in every sense of the way. So, um, you know, no, one, no one's going out to, to do that. Everybody's been very compliant, and we're very lucky in racing that there's been a couple of little blips, and that's to be expected, um, I think. But in general, um, everybody has really rolled in and followed us, you know, and... Um, and it's a testament to racing that we're still going and, and, and everybody accepts that we've been really cautious and, and, and our measures are very strict. I mean, the jockeys have two separate areas. They either sit in their cars or they don't sit in the weigh room all the time. They're either in their car or we have an overflow area which is socially distanced. They each have a table assigned to them with their name on it and they're two metres apart in every way in that room um, and that's where they sit or they sit in the car, whichever they're more comfortable. They've no sauna They've no uh, no sharing facilities, so if you think you're doing a load of exercise in the gym, um, you're not allowed to shower afterwards. Um, so they're not allowed to shower, uh, all of that. We're not allowed to provide any food for the occasion. For them. So these are athletes at the end of the day, and we're, um, you know, there's a lot of protocols, there's a lot of compromises from the, them as professional athletes. So you're going to have to be commended as well, and same with the trainers and the groups. You know, the groups are working there, um, physical activity, looking after the horses, walking the horses. We're not allowed to feed them. You know, they, they, they have to bring their own bit of food and lunch for the races. Um, we can give them a bottle of water. That's all we're allowed to give them. So it's quite difficult. It's a difficult situation. And, and so everybody, you know, in racing has done, in my view, extremely well. Um, I suppose lack of patrons as well is, is a huge thing. Um, what would you say, kind of, could you put a number on, on what the lack of patrons will cost the, the course or, or have you been able to do some sort of a, a kind of a, an estimation on, on, you know, how much this will cost you extra and how, how, how much revenue you'll be losing because of uh, COVID-19? Well, it was significant. It was a significant loss of revenue. And we haven't had a bar open. Uh, so we have bar operators, we have caterers, we have hospitality bookings, uh, albeit nothing paid for, but we have bookings for our August festival for every day. We're nearly full for every day. Um, but they're potential of bookings as they are right now. Um, we've no ticket, so no ticket sales. So we've missed already 
we should have had five race meetings at this stage, two in April, two in May, and we were scheduled to have a new one in July on July 8th. So that was last week. So we're down five race meetings. And so that's five days of no uh, TV rights and no game seats. So it's a significant amount. I reckon we'll be down over, we'll be around 30% down to continue as we are at the moment. Um, so that's a significant um, revenue uh, loss for any business. You know, we're no different than any business. We are a business. Um, so we haven't, we don't have any other extra activities. We usually have Connect Festival there at this time of the year. We have even all things like a circus. We run a dog show there every year. Um, and they're all rev- small revenue generators as they are, but they're still revenue that um, maintain the track and the upkeep of the whole place. So nothing has changed there. We're still watering. We're watering since March, would you believe? And we've decided to keep that ground as perfectly as possible that we're ready to go racing. We're ready to go racing. Um, so we've completely maintained that track as we would do normally. We have a very small team. There's only myself and two full-time people and one part-time lady. Um, and that's the team that runs one race course on a non-race day. So there's an immense amount of work goes into keeping that track as it is, you know. Yeah, and I suppose you mentioned there the, the restaurant and the, the you know, I suppose it, it does help in a way that I know obviously the the five race meetings that have gone, um, but now that you're starting back, you're starting back in a position where you will be able to open the restaurant, albeit socially distancing. Um, you know, I know the, there's a, there's obviously a cut down, but you will be at least be able to open it. And also, um, a big thing that Eddie Scally from Gorham Park was telling me a few weeks ago was the the opening of of bookmakers, the opening of betting shops again. And um, you know, because th- essentially, if they're not making money, you're not making money. Well, we we our main income, our TV streaming rights, is paid for by the bookmaker shop. And it's governed by how many bookmaker shops are actually physically open in Ireland and the UK. So when racing was going ahead at the very early stages, there were no bookmaker shops open. Race courses were running racing um, for, at zero. They, it was, they were getting some grants to pay to write to get, to get things going. But other than that, they were not commercially viable. Um, and that revenue stream is, is reduced as well as we stand at the moment. Um, but it still allows us to... Um, wash the space, they say, and and basically keep keep the show on the road, which is very important because it's a big industry. So we all have to pay our parts, just like again, just like any other business, like any bars or, or not bars, I suppose, not open, but restaurants or hotels or any sort of service businesses, retail businesses. They are all taking a hit in terms of their revenue for um, uh, you know the health, the, the health and well-being of people. And we have to do the same. So, so we don't, you know, there's no problem with that. We just have to, everyone has to roll in and, and make sure that this is suppressed in, in a way that will get us all back to normal. And if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do in the short term, you know. And I suppose just getting back to that agreement um, where it's done by the amount of shops that are open, uh, like it, it seems to me anyway that, you know, in an age where we're moving more towards online, betting seems to be much more uh, common. Um, you know, the idea of going into a bookie shops for, for a new generation isn't really as as fashionable, particularly in this current age that we live in. And we're seeing a lot of a lot of the main retailers, the book book, book bookmakers, are are calling down cuts. They're they're cutting down their shops. So, is that a viable model um, for for TV rights going forward? Given the fact that we're seeing that move towards online gambling a lot more. No, I, I don't think it is. I think um, that was a um, that's been a model that's been in place since two thousand seven when renegotiated uh, uh, revenue streams and rights are up for negotiation. 
in 2023, so that'll start next year, the year after. Um, and basically, we, we do drive some revenue from streaming, albeit very small. So if you have it at your phone and you watch the race, we, we, we get paid for that very, very small amount of money. But um, uh, I think the model will, will move more towards that, you know, and uh, and that will make the, the model more sustainable for racing um, across the board, you know. Yeah, and I suppose um, you know, with that in mind, and and the way things are at the moment, um, we now with the four day festival is in August. That's your big, your big, big festival. How do you, how are you feeling going into that? I know we're speaking ahead of the first meeting, but I mean, just in terms of, like, we're still up in the air about how many people will be allowed to attend outdoor events by the time that day comes around. Um, like, is there any chance at all that four day festival will be put in jeopardy, or if it, if it it does have to be uh, done behind closed doors, or well, the festival. The festival will definitely be going ahead, whether it's behind closed doors or not. Mm. Those dates are cast in stone. We're working towards racing for that period of time. Um, in relation to whether it will be behind closed doors or not, and um, nothing funny, but you know as much as myself, it's very we're in a very similar situation like folks at the moment. We've very little guidelines there, and that has nothing to do with our governing body, HRI. To be fair, and. Um, it all comes from NEFET and all comes from the government guidelines. And as it stands at the moment, there's zero guidelines about any outdoor events or restricted crowds at outdoor events. A couple of months ago, there was discussion by August 10th that there would be possibilities of having um, crowds of under 5,000 at events where social distancing could be adhered to. We have a very big site there. Thankfully, that can happen. We had to have outside bars, etc. We feel very comfortable that we can do that but um, that seems to fall away and it's been off the table and it hasn't mentioned for quite some time so we're very much in the dark on that um, and given government's um, musings at the moment or this week it, it, you know whether pubs will even open next week it's very very difficult to, us to see even further down the line you know stage 5 of this easing um, um, restrictions was to come into August 10th. They've all been moved ahead. So I don't really know. Like, that's the week we race. It could be a situation where, you know, early August it's announced that we're allowed to have crowds of under a certain amount if that happens. And it's viable for us to be able to do that if it's a couple of thousand people. We most certainly will have tickets on sale then. But as we stand right now, we don't have any tickets on sale. And we get multiple calls and emails every day since... The last, in the last two months asking us do we know if we'll be racing in uh, August unfortunately we just can't tell people we, like it's not that we don't know we're not holding anything back at all we just have to clue we're, we're, we're just in the dark as anybody you know but it puts you um, in, it, you know it puts you in, and not just you but I mean a lot across all sports I'm hearing the same thing um, but particularly when it comes to big events like that you know they're, they're saying if you're going to as as it stands at the moment through the roadmap we've been getting announcements on the Friday for the Monday um, like even shops when the shops were announced a lot of them really weren't ready to go on the Monday because they just were trying to roster staff trying to get everything together um, like if you're still in a position on the Friday ahead of the Monday um, that you don't know whether you're going to be able to run the event or not. Like, it, does that? Does that, I mean, that, it must be almost impossible to try and get ticketing and get everything together. Make sure that you have everything in place at the course, so that five thousand people or up to five thousand people can socially distance at the same time in the space of a weekend before the the event starts on the Monday. 
Well, we, well, the event will start on the Thursday. So Sorry. It'll be the following Thursday, yes. So Monday would be the 10th when that announcement, you know, if there's a stage five, would would, would be announced. So we'll have those few days. We'll obviously have the announcement probably on the Friday. So we'll have a week. Now, it's not very short. Right. We will have tickets. Tickets would be an online. If, if, if it is, my plan is that if it is um, racing to go ahead with a crowd, it'll be online ticket only. You won't be paying at the gate. Um, there'll be no facility for that. We'll have a ticket office open for the few days beforehand that people who can't access the internet for broadband reasons or whatever can come up to the office and there'll be a, there'll be a time dedicated in the morning for a ticket office there to accommodate as many people as we can. And there'll be no cash facility on the day. Um, just purely from from uh, crowd control and queues and things like that, and then we'll have to make plans and see what we can do in relation to bars, etc. If they're open, they'll more than likely have to be open open air bars. So where we'd usually have a marquee with walls, you know, wall marquee, we'd have to look at having something like an open space there with open seating. So it'll be challenging, but we'll do everything we can to run it. It's a big part of the social calendar in Waterford. We're very conscious of that, and look. We're a hospitality business. We want to have people there. We want to race in front of the crowd. We want people to enjoy themselves. And if we're lucky enough to be able to be back up and running at that stage, great. We do every single thing we possibly can to have a crowd that's more. But it'll be based on what the government tells us we can do. Um, and so, like every other business and every other citizen in the country, we're no different. We're guided by what we'll be doing and we'll adhere to that strictly. Tracking sport across the southeast. Sports beat extra. Finally, Clare Reardon has a small window at home after a season avoiding relegation with Duisburg in the Women's Bundesliga. She spoke to Will Downing about season gone by and her future plans. Thankfully enough, um, we came out trumps of the the three teams. Um, unfortunately, Cologne were the team to suffer and to go down. But um, I think they made a great account of themselves anyway for the first season back up in the first league and I've no doubt that they'll be back up again now after next season but again just for us I'm I'm, I'm thankful enough and very happy that we were able to secure the position of um, the first league. We played Yena on Sunday and I had my flight booked for Monday so uh, yeah I was prepared before I even went to Yena to make my trip home. For the calendar we're looking at about three to four weeks off season away from the team um, and then we're looking to get back training at the end of July in preparation then for the, re- the start of the next season uh, which will hopefully be looking towards the start of September so hopefully we'll get a good five to six weeks training done before our first game of the next season. And I mean, your own normal stadium, it's a lovely ground sort of out in the countryside a little bit by the river. And I mean, it's a it's a good stadium. The previous Duisburg club played there previously and it was the foundation for Champions League success for them. But during the past few weeks with German football back, you've been playing in the men's stadium, which is quite a bit bigger. Yeah, so we were due to play um, all our games uh, after the Corona period. Uh, in the men's stadium, which was very nice. Um, the team has actually played there a handful of times in previous seasons due to different reasons. Um, but obviously for health and safety, we were due to play in the men's stadium this time around um, for maybe three three home games, I think it was. Um, so it was so nice to play in the men's stadium because it was 
it was so nice like the ground you know you can get the ball down um you know you're not worried about if you're playing a pass that it's not going to be bobbling seven million times before it makes it to its way to the next player whereas like in pcc that was the actual the case that when when we play in PCC Stadium because the, the surface is so uneven and bobbly because a local men's team play there. It's their grounds. It's not it's actually not MSV Duisburg women's team's uh, pitch. Um so the men play there quite a lot as well. And then we're on it as well and uh, it, it would it wouldn't compare to the men's stadium. Um so it was really nice to play in the men's stadium. I would hope uh it's far fetched but I would hope that if we could get a few games in there for next season as well, it would be great because, uh, yeah, it's it's just a much nicer environment and surroundings to, to play in. Back home now, looking forward to another Bundesliga season and a chance to catch up and do a few things back home. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, we got, we got the job done um, at the end of the season and we did what we needed to do. Um, so now that's parked. We're in off-season, we're in holiday mode, um, so I'm just going to switch off from football for, for a little while and do other things, go hiking, play some tennis. Um, yeah, but obviously I'll, I, I keep active in, in a different way. But uh, yeah, and just start to catch up with, with friends and family now again before for the next season. What kind of hiking are you doing? Um, well, we did... Uh, my lust yesterday or my lust or something like that yesterday and we're looking to do mount brandon now on sunday just an icebreaker you know introduce me into the whole hiking kind of thing i'd say i don't i don't know a peak that she hasn't done but um yeah so i think the one now on sunday is going to be a little bit more of a challenge so we're just gonna to have to wait and see hopefully i can get over it anyway yeah, you're telling me now that's a serious hike. That's that's real hiking. And you have about a month then before you go back and getting ready for next season. Yeah, so as I said, uh, we're probably going to look to get back training the end of July. So it'll be a short time off. Um, obviously, we'll be waiting now to, to get our uh, running programs and our training programs uh, for before we get back in with the team. So, yeah, it's just, it's going to be short and sharp, three, four weeks, and then we'll be back in for another five to six weeks of grinding and, and hard work to prepare then for the next season, which now will go a little bit slower than the last three or four weeks because it actually flew when we got back into all the games because it was just so, one was just falling straight into the next and you can check out Will's new podcast, Lockdown Football Commentators, on iTunes and Spotify. And that's all from a Sports Beat Extra for this week. You can listen back to this or any week's episodes on beat102103.com forward slash podcasts. But up next is Trish with Beat Anthems.